0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: The reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet descended, ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her.
0: Good morning, everyone. A very happy Easter to you, whether you're here in the building or you're at home watching online. As we turn to that reading from John 20, let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, on this Easter Sunday, as we look at the events on that first morning when the empty tomb was discovered, we pray that you'd give us great certainty that the one who died on the cross has been raised to life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It had all been going so well, She had so many hopes and dreams about how the future would turn out. But then one evening, the news started to filter in that something was wrong. He'd been out walking in the garden, as he often did, when out of nowhere they turned up, they arrested him, took him off. By the next morning, it had all been decided. He would die. With a few friends, she went and watched on in horror. She saw the spear thrust in his side. She saw his body taken down. He was definitely dead. And with her hopes and dreams shattered, left only with her grief, all she had now was this final chance to say goodbye. Verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Badalyn went to the tomb. This last year, I think, helps us to understand something of the turmoil and the pain that Mary must have been feeling on this first day of the week, as we've experienced this pandemic. In the small things, like lost haircuts and holidays, in the much bigger things, like exams and job uncertainty, the the general sense that actually we we don't know and we can't control the future. It's been such a hard year in so many ways. But more than that, much more than that, we've been forced to confront the reality of death. Uh, Just 12 days ago, we had a day of reflection as a nation, as we remembered that over this last year during this pandemic, almost 150,000 people have died. Behind that terrible headline are individual lives and families torn apart. And this is Mary's story. Both the, the shattered dreams of what might have been in the future, but also the uniquely devastating grief that comes from death. I wonder if there are some of us here this morning, perhaps others watching online, perhaps you're new to Christian things, just dipping in over the Easter weekend. Well, it's lovely to have you joining us. Thank you for being involved. Please know this, that the Bible understands how hard and painful this life can be. The Bible understands what it's like to live with broken dreams about the future and to experience the raw grief that comes from having to say goodbye to someone that we love. But this morning, we're going to see Mary's story of pain turn to a story of joy. And as John writes his account, he wants us to be able to share in her joy, to move from from experiencing the pain and sorrow of living in this broken world to living with a joy that cannot be taken away. And so whatever our story is this morning, whatever year we've had, John's purpose in writing is to help us to understand and believe a better story. When I say story, I don't mean wishful thinking or a children's fairy tale. I mean, grasping real events that took place in history, that taken together, describe a new reality. Well, let's dive in. Having arrived at the tomb, verse one, Mary saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. In those days, the tombs were often caves dug out of rock. You'd roll a big a uh, stone in front of the entrance to seal off the tomb but in this case the stone is gone and look at how Mary responds verse 2 so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said they have taken the lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put them you see mary knows that jesus has died And she knows that death is the end. And so the only way that she can make sense of what she's seeing is that someone must have taken the body out of the tomb. Perhaps it was grave robbers. After all, they were a common problem in those days. Well, Simon Peter, the other disciple, almost certainly John, they set off to check out Mary's story. We'll come back to Mary in just a moment. But the camera stays with Peter and John as they sprint down to the tomb. John might be faster, verse 4, but Peter is less squeamish. And so when he arrives, he he heads right past John, and he enters the tomb, verse 6. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen, it's almost like a scene from CSI. The word for saw is, is more than a, a glance. Peter is here um, gazing at the evidence in front of him, trying to make sense of, of what he's seeing. Like a, de- a detective analyzing a, a crime scene. The first surprise for Peter is that the grave clothes are still lying there. If, if grave robbers had come and stolen the body, then for starters, they would have taken the linen as well because the linen was expensive. They wouldn't have left that behind. And more than that, they would have been in a rush in case someone found them, and so they wouldn't have taken time to unwrap the body in the grave. They would have taken the whole lot away with the body. And so Peter is, is puzzling over what he's seeing. Maybe Jesus hadn't died Maybe he was just terribly wounded, but how could a man who had been punched and, and flogged and crucified and had a, a spear shoved in his side and then laid in a tomb for a couple of days, how could that kind of man, wounded that way, somehow unwrap himself and then leave the grave clothes neatly folded up in a, in a stack? That's the sense of verse 6. <laughs> At best, the clothes would have been torn and, and bleeding in a, in, a, in a pile on the floor, Or maybe the disciples had stolen the body, but then why would they dishonor Jesus and his body by unwrapping his dead body there in the grave? I guess it could have been the Roman soldiers or the Jewish authorities, but they had nothing to gain from an empty tomb because that would have started unhelpful rumors about a man being alive again. It wouldn't have been them. You see, Mary knows Jesus has died, and she knows death is the end. Her only explanation for the empty tomb is that someone's taken the body away. But here's Peter trying to understand what he's seeing, and it it just doesn't make sense with Mary's story. And when John plucks up the courage and comes into the tomb as well, well, verse 8, he saw and believed. This is not wishful thinking. Verse nine makes it clear that John was not expecting a resurrection, at least not from the Old Testament scriptures. He hadn't got there yet in his thinking. So this isn't wish fulfillment, overlaying on the evidence what he wants to see. And nor is this blind leap in the dark. No, it's belief based on evidence. And so as So, author Conan Doyle once said through his character Sherlock Holmes When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. John knows that his readers, us, sitting here today, 2,000 years later, we cannot go to the empty tomb to see for ourselves the evidence. Our position today is much more like a jury in a courtroom hearing the evidence of other eyewitnesses. And so John and Peter are like detectives being brought in who have been to the scene. They have seen for themselves and they're passing on the evidence to the jury that they might make their decision on what happens. John and Peter are persuaded. They want to persuade the jury that the only evidence explanation that makes sense of this empty tomb is that the once dead Jesus is now alive again. That's the evidence of Peter and John, but there's another witness to call, Mary. And it's worth saying that it's surprising how Mary, a woman, is one of the key witnesses that John calls to give evidence to what has happened. Back in Jesus' day, the evidence of a woman was taken much less seriously than of a man. And if John was making up his account to persuade us of untrue events, he wouldn't have chosen a woman to be one of the key starring witnesses. But here, Mary is playing just that role, because that's what happened. It seems that Mary hadn't joined Peter and John and now sprint to the tomb. She seems to come after them. They've, they've been, they've They've gone. And now she's on her own back at the tomb. we pick it up at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent down over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, I don't know about you, but my first reaction is, what? Angels dressed in white, really? Well, what is about to happen is going to be even more startling than seeing some angels. Let's keep reading. Mary, perhaps because of the tears, seems totally unfazed by these angels. Verse 13, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. You see, Mary knows that Jesus has died, and she knows death is the end, the only explanation she has is that someone has taken the body away. But look at verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She a- he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Do you see it Again? Mary knows that Jesus has died. She knows that death is the end. And so for the third time on that first morning, she says the same explanation. Someone must have taken the body away. But then the penny drops. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, And in that moment, Mary realized that death is real, but death is not the end. Many times over the years, I've made a very similar journey that Mary made, perhaps not to a tomb dug out of rock, but to a graveside, or to watch the curtains close across the coffin, blocking it from sight, I imagine many of us here today or watching online at home have made that kind of journey. And in those moments at the graveside as the curtains draw across, death feels very real. We know how devastating it is, how final it feels. And it's right that as we come to a year into this pandemic that we take time to grieve and mourn 150,000 people who've died. Weeping is the right response. Death is like that. But John would say to us, I have seen with my own eyes the details of the empty tomb. Mary would say to us, I have seen and I've heard the risen Lord Jesus Expert witnesses. We are the jury. Death is real. But death is not the end. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of a great harvest. As when we see the first apple lying on the ground beneath the tree, we look up and we see the tree full of more apples to come. Or like when a thread is tied to a needle, wherever the needle goes, the thread follows. And so too with Christ and the believer. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are tied to him, we are united to him. And wherever he has gone, even through death, so we too will follow through death into resurrection life. And so whether it is the death of the one that we love, or it is our own deaths. We can face up to the fact that death is real, but also death is not the end. We could stop there. We could go home rejoicing on this Easter Sunday, but there is more. Death is real, but death is not the end. Finally, and the best Is yet to come. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have yet I have not yet ascended to the Father. For many of us, this last year or so, we've been unable to hug the people we love. We know hugs matter. We can totally understand why Mary doesn't want to stop hugging Jesus now. She had lost him, but he's back again. She won't let go from this time. But the story isn't finished. Jesus, he's not being standoffish or prickly. He's not grumpy or annoyed with Mary. But he has a job to finish. He's not done yet. His journey isn't over Before his death, back in John 14, he told his disciples that he must leave. And in his going, he would go to prepare a place for them in his father's house where there are many rooms. And if he goes and prepares that place, he will come back to take Mary and the disciples and us today to be with him forever. And that is why Mary must let go now, because Jesus hasn't gone home yet to finish the preparations and then come to get us to take us home I've spoken to a number of people in the last few weeks who now have definite plans for when they'll go and visit relatives, family grandparents, grandchildren parents, back in the family home as a lockdown um, restrictions ease, we can now start planning to go home again, can't we? And what a day that will be. I know many of us are watching the R number, the daily case rates, the vaccine rollouts, desperate to make sure the numbers are going in the right direction so that we can go home. We can go back and see the ones we love. We can be in a place that we are known and accepted with our families again. Well, look at the picture Jesus describes as verse 17 continues. He says to Mary, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. John, uh, Jesus calls his disciples many things in John's gospel, but this is the first time he calls them his brothers. And throughout John's gospel, Jesus has called God his father, but here he says that the disciples can also call, call God their father. You see, in this moment, a new family is being formed. Jesus is the older brother. God is the father. Mary, the disciples, us here today, we are welcomed into that family. This new family is only possible because of the death of Jesus. You see, our, our sin, our rebellion against God the father means that we are not welcomed into the family until our sin is taken away and dealt with, washed away through the death of Jesus. But on this resurrection morning, Jesus can say to his disciples, even Peter, who denied Jesus, you're welcomed in. The new family is formed. All's been done to deal with your sin. I'm now your brother. God is now your father. You're welcome into the family. And because a new family has been established, a new home has been prepared, that means the best Is yet to come. Soon, very soon, Jesus will come back and will take us home to be with Him forever. A home where there will be no tears, no death, no pandemics, no social distancing, no isolation. No cruel false dawns and third waves and who knows how many more waves might come. No more quarreling families or hard words or lack of love. No more sense of not fitting in or wondering if anyone cares about us. A perfect home prepared for us by the Lord Jesus with our heavenly father as the one to welcome us. On this very first Easter Sunday, all those years ago, Mary's story of pain turned into a story of joy. And John writes that our story may be Mary's story. Death is real, but death is not the end. And the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the Bible understands how hard this life can be, what it's like to live with shattered dreams and the cruelty of death. But Father, we thank you that the Bible speaks into that pain, not ignoring it, but giving us a better story, a certain story, a story etched out for us in the pages of history in the real resurrection of Jesus, which means that one day he'll come for us to bring us home. Father, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.